30 years ago, my granddad had passed away. Uh, at his wish, he was buried out on a hill on the family farm. Uh, there was nothing there but some mesquite trees. Now there was a grave and a headstone. And about 30 years ago, my granny, Verna Lee Castleberry, decided that we would have a family cemetery right there. So we built a fence around it. We built two brick columns. Uh, we hung a gate on that. Uh, planted some shrubs. We ran a water line up there to water the plants. Uh, we decided over the gate that there would be a sign, a big grand sign painted white that would say Castleberry. Uh, we planned that. That would be an awesome thing. And so Granny said she would have it made and then give it to us. A couple months later, she called us and she said the sign was ready. And my dad and I, he's now buried there. We drove over to her house to pick up the sign. When we got there, outside of her garage, there was this sign, this big metal sign, this painted sign, and it said, Amen. Amen. Now, we thought, what in the world? She, she got the wrong sign somewhere. The Amen family's mad that we have their sign. We didn't understand. Dad thought, well, she was trying to save money on the letters. That's how she was. She picked a, a shorter word. We went in and said, Granny, the sign out there says amen. And she said, yes, amen is what you say at the end, and it means well-pleased, so be it. And she said, by the time we get here, so be it. Now, what Granny was saying is, May we live in a way that at the end of it all, that we could actually say, well, pleased, so be it. And so if you drive out there tonight, if you drive out there today, there is a sign that hangs out there, and it does not say Castleberry, it says, amen. Well, tonight as believers, may we understand the urgency of the day. That's my prayer. May we understand the importance of the day that we are living in, and may that cause us tonight to live in a way that at the end of it all, that we could say, so be it. It is done. It is over. And all glory be to Christ. So be it. Amen. Tonight our message is entitled, So Be It. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, tonight verses 7 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, tonight verses 7 through 11. So be it. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor of the reverence of the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in the 7th verse, God's word says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in the serving of one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We're excited about you. 
We're excited about our hope that is, that is realized in Jesus Christ. Lord, we come and I, I pray now that we're prepared to hear you speak. And I pray through your word that you have a message for us. I know that you do. I pray, Lord, that we're ready to hear that our hearts are right. And I pray, Lord, that it bears much fruit, that we are shaped in your, in your truth tonight. Lord, I pray the fruit of that is you would be glorified, that you would be pleased. I pray the fruit of that it would be a people that would proclaim your truth to a lost and hurting world. Lord, we just tell you, we're so thankful tonight. We worship you. We praise you. We trust all this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, as we start tonight, I want to keep reminding us the point of these letters from Peter and the point of these 30 days as we are studying them is that we would be stirred up. I want you to keep hearing that. I want you to be reminded of that. Not only that we would be encouraged, not only that we would be strengthened, not only that we would be instructed, but that we would be, Peter says it, stirred up. Remember, it literally translates moved to action. And so my prayer is that we would be stirred out of our complacency, that we would be stirred out of our normal, and in the hearing of the word of God, that we would actually be stirred up. Be sure tonight, our world needs stirred up believers. Man, look around. Our, our world needs fired up believers who will stand on the word of God and tell a lost world of their Savior, Jesus. That's what we need in our day. My prayer is that as we go through this study, now 19 nights, that we are being stirred up. All right, let's go to our verses. Right now where we are at tonight, we are in a discourse, a section of verses where Peter is telling us we are to be wildly focused on the mission of Christ. Now, a couple nights in a row, that has been the message, that we will be wildly focused on the mission of Christ. He says we've wasted enough time living like the lost world. He says we have no more time to waste and that we are to be radically unlike the world and consistently telling of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he's been telling us. Well, tonight he continues in that vein. He continues in that message. All right, tonight, beginning back in verse 7. It says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Peter starts off tonight with a very stark statement. He says this, the end of all things is near. Now, I want you to hear that. Listen to that. Here's what he says. The end of all things is near. Now, the word for end here, uh, it, it's not sometimes what we would think. It's not the ceasing of something. It is not the ending of something, but rather it translates the fulfillment. It is a goal that is achieved. And so the fulfillment is near. Now I want you to see this, be sure of this. Ever since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, ever since the ascension of Jesus to heaven and the empowering of the church on the day of Pentecost, a clock has been running. Now we may not have known that, but ever since that day, a clock has been running. This is the age, listen, where God's grace 
is known and received in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this age, with the work of redemption finished, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, in this age finished, God's grace is offered to any and offered to all that would hear and receive the gospel in faith. The Bible says any person in this time who hears the gospel, receives it in faith, that person is saved. That is the day we are living in, but that day will end. It will have reached its fulfillment in the coming of Jesus in glory. Now, I want to tell you there's a lot of debate about this. I'll, I'll tell you what I believe, and I'll tell you what I believe the Bible teaches. I believe the Bible tells us, teaches us, that the next step to happen is the rapture of the church. Now, let me read that event to you. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Listen to this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, meaning those who have passed away so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, listen to this, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, this wasn't Paul speaking, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up, listen, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. Well, Peter says here in these verses, the end of all things is near. Now, I want you to listen to that word near. It is near. The fulfillment of all things is near. The word means is approaching or is coming. Now, now see this. See if you can picture this. The end is approaching. The end is coming. It's like the first rays of sunlight when they break over the horizon. I don't know if you're ever up that early, but when you see the, the very first rays of the, of the sunlight as it comes over the horizon, when you see them, you know this, it will not be long until the sun will be up. That's the picture here. It's like when you hear footprints, footsteps that are approaching and they're off in the distance, and they're faint at first, and you think, do I, do I hear somebody coming? And then they get louder, and then they get closer, and then they get louder still until they're right upon you. That is this word. The end of all things, listen to me, is coming. It is approaching. Friends, the Bible tells us, be looking for it. The Bible tells us, be expecting it. The Bible gives us all sorts of signs that we will observe, that we can observe as that day, as that time draws near. I want you to believe me tonight. Believe me, listen to me. It will not be long. It will not be 
Long. Yeah, they've been saying that for a long time. Well, that's what a preacher ought to say. Listen to me tonight. It will not be long. Bible says when Jesus comes, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. And they will be eating and drinking and laughing and going to weddings. And their doom is near and nobody even notices. Their, their doom is near and they're laughing and they're enjoying the things of life and no one sees the signs. And then a drop falls. See this tonight, watch this tonight. If we believed that the end is near, we would be busier about his work. But in this day, we are busier than ever about our own work. It's like the days of Noah. If, if we believe the end is near, we would be more trusting of his word. We would need his word. But I want to tell you, we scarcely know his word. We do not have time for his word. It's like the days of Noah. If we believe the end is near, we would be nonstop, I believe it, in his witness. It would consume us. Instead, the truth is this, nine out of ten professing faith in Jesus Christ have never led a single person to Jesus Christ. And we stir through the day and we say, somebody else will do it. There's plenty of time. And it's the days of Noah. The Bible says the end of all things is near. It is approaching. Therefore, here's what you do, Peter says, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit. Sound judgment means clear-minded. That's what that means. Sober spirit means self-controlled, not under the influence the control of something else. And so here's what that means. Jesus is coming very soon. And Peter said, there's no time to waste. We have, we have no time to waste. And so you need to be clear-headed. You need to not get distracted. You need to be steady-minded in these days. Now, I noticed this. Sometimes we talk about the end times, and people start to scramble all around. They start to talk about this and make a chart about this and start to look at that, and they become undone. They really become frantic thinking about the end days. That's not how we are as believers. We are calm. We are businesslike. Jesus is coming again. We're not surprised. We are steady. The Bible says this, for the purpose of prayer. That's an interesting thing. For the purpose of prayer. Jesus is coming again very soon, shortly. And it says, for the purpose of prayer. Let me tell you something. I forget this sometimes. We forget this sadly. Do you know the most powerful thing that we can do in all circumstances, in all days, and especially in these days, is to pray. That's what the Bible has shown us. That's what we know we pray for the lost. Jesus is coming again very soon. We pray for opportunities. Lord, grant us opportunities. Jesus is coming again very soon. We pray for the church of Jesus Christ. We pray for boldness to preach the gospel. We pray for courage to stand on the truth of God's word. In these days, we pray. 
Verse 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Let me read that again. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It says above all. Now, can you imagine how huge this must be? He, he has told us of all these things, all of the things we've been instructed in, awesome, amazing, big things. And he says, above all, of greatest importance. Can you imagine how big that is? Keep fervent in your love for one another. Now, keep is continual. It means we can't let up. Keep, stay with it. We can't let up. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, that in the last days, one of the signs of the last days, one of the things that will happen in the last days is people will love less. They will not be loving to each other. In fact, it says they will grow cold in their love. That's what will happen in the last days. Do you see that? We're not kind to each other. Folks aren't. They're not, they're not showing love in their, in their dealings with other folks. That's one of the signs of the end days. We'll grow cold in our love for each other. It says here, keep fervent. Fervent's a word that means intense, earnest. It literally means without slack. Hold the rope. Don't let it loose. Keep fervent in love for one another. As the end draws near, listen to me, we do not love less. We love more. The verse goes on and says this. For love covers a multitude of sins. For love covers a multitude of sins. I have a news flash for you. Listen to this. People are crazy. Don't point at anybody. People are hard. People are hard and crazy. And I'll just tell you this. The more you're around people, the more you deal with people, the more you see that, the more that's the truth. People are hard. People are nuts. People are, are crazy. And people are people. And people mess up. And, and, and people let you down. Listen, you do. I do. But listen to me tonight. When you're operating in love, sins, offenses are more easily overlooked. Listen, there's no time to fight. There's no time to have a disagreement. There's, there's no time for arguing. And so if we're operating in love, it's easy for us to say, I'm going to overlook an offense. People come along and they say, People ought not get so easily offended. You ever hear that? I hear that all the time. People ought not get so easily offended. We're too quick to get offended. We live in a culture where people are so quickly offended. People say, it's like people are looking to get mad. They're just looking to get offended. I believe it. But do you know what the remedy for that is? It's to love more. It's not to strike out and fight. It's not to divide and, and, and split up. The answer is to love more. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Hospitable means fond of guests. That's the, the literal translation. It means welcoming. 
it, 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 it expresses itself like this, taking care of one another, taking care of one another. The world is against us, and so we can't afford to be. You understand that? The world is against us, hates the message of Christ, can't stand the movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world is against us, so listen, we cannot afford to be. Here's the direction here, so take care of one another. So take care of one another. It says without complaint. And I, I got to that point and I thought, boy, God knows us, doesn't he? <laughs> he knows us, doesn't he? I'm going to give you the Route 2 Vernon translation of without complaint. Now listen, you may not know it, but you're blessed to have that translation. Most people don't have it. Without complaint. Without complaint. What does complaint mean? The, the route to Vernon, Texas definition is this, without lipping off. That's what it means, without lipping off, without saying something. Oh, I, I'll help. I'm going to help. Oh, but I got something to say about that. You know what? You wouldn't have a flat on your tire if you could work a job and do something weren't so dumb that you had bald tires. I'll help you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a little something about that. No, without complaint, just help them. Some of you are offended. <laughs> if I'm going to help them, I get to say something to them. Very important section coming up, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, here's the deal. When you were saved, when you're saved, God gave you a gift. He gave you a gift when you were saved to use in the mission of the church for the building up and the strengthening of the church. That's the reality. All believers have at least one. Some might have more than one, but all have at least one. They are not the same, but they are as God has designed for the church to work right. Now, let me show you what that is. Somebody comes in, and, and they are, are saved, and God gifts them, and they are gifted, and so they do this thing. And it is a needed thing in the church, and God placed them to take care of that thing, to do that thing in the church. And somebody else comes along, and they don't do the same thing, but they have a different gift, and they do that thing. And so they're doing their thing that God has gifted them for. And then somebody else comes along, and God has gifted them, and they use their gift, and it's not the same as the first guy's gift, not the same as the second person's gift, but they have their gift, and so they use it in the church. And together the work of the church is carried out it says the manifold it means multifaceted it means known in many ways that's what this is talking about there are many gifts multifaceted known in many ways and then it says the grace of God the multifaceted grace manifold grace of God and here's what I want you to see be very sure tonight, it is wise of God, and it is good of God, and it is the grace of God to equip all of these people 
for the work of his church. And in these gifted people, God has provided what the church needs to carry out the mission of the church. Now listen, that's just wise. That's very kind of him. What an awesome thing. He has provided for the needs of the church by gifting all these different people in different ways to serve in the church. One last thing, it says this, employ it means work it. Employ it, work it as good stewards. The word for steward here means a manager or one that has been given a stewardship, one that has been given a responsibility. And so just like as a parent, you have a stewardship over your kids, you have a responsibility for your kids, as a believer, here's what this says, you have a stewardship of your gift. You are responsible for the use of your gift. And so I want you to be very clear tonight, listen to me. You have a gift if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and your gift is needed, and God has placed you where he has placed you for a reason. And so listen to me, if you're not using your gift for the kingdom of God through your church, you're failing as a steward of your gift. Well, I got too busy. Well, I got too mad. Well, I got this. Well, I joined six churches in nine years. If you're not using your gift for the kingdom of God through your church, you're failing as a steward of your gift. Listen tonight, these are urgent days. Our mission is vital. And listen, believer, you are needed and you are necessary. Whatever your age is, if you're a follower of Christ, whatever your status in life is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are necessary, and you need to hear tonight, church is not something we go to. Church is not something we join. Church is where we serve. Here's a good question on a Wednesday night. So how are you serving your church? How are you serving your church? All right, there's a couple of examples in verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 11 says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Now, I want to I tell you about this. This is a big deal. See this tonight. There are some that God gifts to preach and to teach in the church, the Word of God. Now, listen, it's not a normal thing. It is a supernatural gifting. God gives some, supernaturally enabling, empowering them to preach and to teach the Word of God. God gifts them, and then in His grace, God places them in the local church. Now hear this. What they preach, what they teach, is to not be their words, but it is to be the Word of God, the Bible. The words that God has given to His people, the Word of God, the Bible. Now I want you to notice this. It says, whoever speaks 
is to do so as one speaking the utterances of God. Now, that's a big, big deal. Today, we are in a big old mess in many of our churches because we have a whole lot of folks and they're preaching and they're teaching and it may be a whole lot of words, but it may be a whole lot of nonsense because it's not the word of God. In the church, we need preachers and teachers of the Bible. Listen tonight, we need to hear the voice of God. Not trivial things, not insignificant things, not worldly things. We need to hear the voice of God. And so the one that is speaking, the one that is preaching, is to preach possessing the word of God to a people that need the word of God. And that's how they approach it. Listen to me tonight. I'm not preaching because I had 30 slow days in my schedule. I am preaching that a people that need the word of God would have the word of God. That's why we do it. That's how we preach. That's why we preach. That is why we teach. It is that important. We need the word of God. This week, I read of a guy who has preached for 400 straight days. Carrie, Carrie knows that's bothering me. <laughs> she knows what I'm thinking. Let me tell you something. Praise the Lord for that guy. Because what we need is more of the word of God. Then it goes on and it says this. Whoever serves, don't miss this. Whoever serves as one serving by the strength God supplies. Now, I want you to see the magnitude of this. I want you to see it's the same thing. You're serving. It doesn't matter what it is. There's a lot of ways it could look like. It could be in hospitality. It could be in taking care of others. It could be the gift of encouragement. It could be the gift of compassion. It could be many different things. But whatever it is, it's not half-hearted. It's not halfway. And it's not lazy. It is empowered by God himself. Now, I want you to think about that. It is so needed and necessary in the church that the God that's the creator of all things empowers your gift. My lands, let's go. God empowers your gift. It's that important to use in his church. Let me read the end of the verse. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs, belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. The end of the verse is a doxology. We do all of that. We preach, we teach, we serve, we pray, we stand. We do all of that so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King, to whom the Bible says belongs the glory and dominion, the rule forever and ever. Praise the Lord. And then there it is. Amen. 
well pleased, so be it. Friends, listen tonight. Very, very soon, Jesus will come with a shout. And there'll be the voice of an archangel, and there'll be the blast of the trumpet of the Lord. And you listen to me, he will come. Jesus will come. That is the truth, Jesus will come. And it's not going to be a symbolic coming. It's not going to be some superstition meant to make us feel better. Jesus will come. And I expect to see, according to the word of God that I read tonight, there's going to be a massive throng of believers that come with him. My dad, Jim Strickland, Miss Wagner, I'm not, I'm not going to keep going. I'll miss some. I'll leave out some names. You add your loved ones. And another. And another. That's what the Bible says coming with him, those that have died in Christ, those that have trusted Christ. When he comes, listen, it's not a superstition. Jesus is coming again, and those saints are going to come with him. And another, and another, and another. And Vernalee Castleberry. Now, I want to tell you this. I want to have so lived. And I want to have so served, and I want to have so preached that I can say, Amen, so be it, Granny. Amen, so be it. I'm going to end with the words of John's revelation. It says this, Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for a hope. Those that have died in Christ, they're coming with you and there'll be a great reunion and we're going to see you and praise the Lord and we're going to see them and together we will worship you for all eternity. Lord, I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray as we hear this message that we would be urgent. I pray, Lord, as we hear this message that we would be businesslike, that we would be clear-minded and steady knowing there's a lost world that doesn't know you. We would preach and proclaim the truth of Jesus. Lord, we come tonight and we just tell you we love you. When we hear of this hope, we tell you we thank you. It wasn't anything we did or earned, but it was in your grace, your kindness shown to us. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service, as we conclude this time, I pray, Lord, that you have spoken, and I believe you have. I pray that you continue to speak. I pray, Lord, that your word would ring out and shake, shake us, stir us, and shape us tonight. Lord, I pray if there's some that do not know you, that are hearing this right now, I pray, Lord, in the, in the preached gospel, the power of God and the salvation, that tonight they would turn to you. They would find you in faith, trust you in faith to be saved tonight. Lord, we just tell you, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close tonight with a time of invitation, a, a time of response. And I want to tell you the good news of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. God loves you, God knows you, God sees you. And he's made a way for you in the person of Jesus Christ. He's paid for sin. He's the remedy for sinners. Paid for it on the cross of Calvary. It is settled in him. And the Bible says if you will trust him, if you'll call him Lord, professing with your mouth what you believe in your heart. The Bible says you don't have to join this church and do these things and mark off these rules, but by faith in Jesus, he'll save you tonight. If you've never trusted Jesus Turn to him tonight. He'll save you tonight. Maybe you're here and you've turned to Christ. You've trusted him. Maybe it was recently. Maybe it was sometime in the past. 
but you've never followed in believer's baptism. What an awesome thing to say. You know what? I, I want to testify through baptism what we believe of Jesus Christ. You come as well. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. I believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve his cause. We'll hold up his truth until he comes again. Maybe tonight you, you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe times are tough. Maybe there's things going on no one even knows about. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to pray where you're seated. I want to tell you this. God knows that as well. He sees that as well. He's powerful in those things as well. Turn to him. Trust him. Turn to him tonight. He'll give you peace. I'm going to ask if, if you'll stand with me as we begin to sing. If God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.